Perhaps I was talking when I should have been listening. No matter what happens, you've got to hang on. Johnny, relax. Now you give him everything he wants, you understand? Now let's see what happens when we mix these two elements together. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you are now listening to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Welcome back to the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Today's episode is going to be Season 4, Episode 11, and we're going to be talking about Presence by Amy Clody. And before I get into this, I just want to say thank you all for listening to my podcast. I really appreciate it. If you can always leave feedback through my email or Whatever contact information you can get your hands on, I'll be putting it in the link in the bio, uh, which is the description of this podcast. So you could shoot me uh, an email and tell me any feedback that you have about my episodes and what I've been doing. I'd really appreciate that. So let's jump right into this episode. So today is presence. So, and this is going to be leaning towards body language. That's really what this is going to be about this episode, the body language. And we're going to be talking about how really, really important it is to have good body language and how and everything like that. So our body conveys more about us than just words. And that is your body language, which is crucial for communication. And your body language, which studies prove, and a lot of these studies were done by Harvard, that your body language is a key part of your communication since it reveals sign of your true feelings. So to be an effective communicator, your words should therefore match your body language. For this to happen, you need to believe in your message that you're delivering. So in other words, you need to be enthusiastic and authentic in your communication And now that we've talked about how body language basically is important when talking, I'm going to also state right now a key message as well, which is imposter syndrome is more common than you think, and you shouldn't let it hinder you. So some of us might be thinking, me and myself, when I read the, the message, like what is... I've heard of it before, but what is the exact definition? So basically what it comes down in posture syndrome is like when you feel like you don't deserve something or you're not good enough and or you keep others from recognizing your failures or you really don't feel worthy of like getting a promotion or getting a good grade on an exam and you think you're you aren't intelligent, you aren't enough. That really is what imposter syndrome is. So, and again, I'll restate it a little bit in a different framework, so to say, is that many of us feel that we're inadequate or underserving of success. And perhaps it's the feeling that we've never been capable to speak in front of others. And I could dive deep into a study that was done. I don't necessarily think it's really needed because it was done by Harvard. I feel like whenever we hear a pristine college of some sort does a study, we're all going to believe it and understand because there's like really smart people working on it. And what it came down to with imposter syndrome is that we, you just got to get out of that negative mindset that you aren't worthy. And let me explain some, an experience I had. So 
before college in high school, seventh, eighth, all the way back, I always got made fun of for reading out loud in class. And I always get picked on and I'd always be popcorn to read because everyone knew I was a terrible reader. And I really got into that imposter mindset. I thought that I wasn't good enough, that I was never going to learn how to read and them picking on me and doing this popcorn reading just killed my confidence. And it made me feel like I wasn't worthy, worthy. I wasn't intelligent. I wasn't smart. Like I wasn't anything. I, I honestly, from that experience, I really had that imposter syndrome and I thought I wasn't worthy of anything. I was never going to be smart. I was never going to amount to anything. I was going to be a nobody for all I know. It's because I got into that mindset. I got into that mindset because I was believing what others believed in me. Here I am now reading 50 books in a year. So <laughs> who's laughing now, right? And I'm glad that happened. I really am. And the way I see it is mindset. Mindset and getting out of that imposter syndrome because you are what you think you are rather than what others think of you. And I think that when I went to college and I had, I, I joined a fraternity and the purpose be behind doing that was just networking and getting to know other people. And I joined this fraternity and I didn't know a single one of them, which was a good, really good fresh start and fresh slate to start with in college. And a lot of the classes I was taking and stuff, I never had anyone in, from my high school besides uh, my roommates ever be in a class of mine. And that really helps because right then from freshman year, I was able to remake myself and I got in a whole different mindset because I was like, I don't want to be the same hunter because when I was in the mindset that I couldn't read and I wasn't intelligent and all this stuff that I will, I didn't amount to anything. And look at, look at me now. Like I I've done, and this isn't to be cocky or anything. I hope it's not coming off like that. Like I'm going to Tampa for a top 100 pitch. I'm still waiting to hear from the company back. I'm still working on my pitch and stuff. See if I make it in the top 20, then I'll percent. And then as well as I'm interviewing for a really cool company that I really want to be with, had an opportunity. I went to California this summer for an internship. I've, I've, I won Greek leader of the year in 2020. Like I've done a whole lot and it. It really comes down to honestly from the mindset that I had that I put myself in right when I got into college, I changed my mindset and was completely different. There's a story about imposter syndrome that I heard on social media. This guy was got fit, was failing classes, was doing terrible in high school. And his mom told him to take the SAT score. He took the SAT score and got like a, one of the lowest scores. And it's funny because I did too. I got actually like a 920, which was terrible. And, but again, I, 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 I did it again and it did a lot better. But anyways, with the guy getting a bad SAT score, his mom's like, you have to retake it. He retook it. He got a nearly a perfect score, if not a perfect score on the SAT. And his mom was surprised. His parents were surprised. His friends, everyone was surprised. They're like, he's a genius. He just doesn't work like hard. And he's, he's super smart. What is he doing? And the funny thing about the story, he went through life after that. He got accepted into college because although his GPA, he had an amazing SAT score. And then he ended up transferring to an even better university and doing really well through that university. And 
he got into this mindset and he completely changed who he was and believed he was smart and got out of the imposter syndrome and really dove deep into life. You want to know the funny thing about that story? He was one of seven in that state that got the wrong score. His score was a 97. It wasn't, it wasn't a perfect or anything. Everything changed when he changed his mindset. Everything changed. Think about where he would be if he got that score and realized that. He'd probably be in a negative mindset still. But just because of that score, he believed in himself and put in the work after that and did amazingly well. And it turns out he didn't do so well on the SAT score and he got the wrong one sent to him. So what we can really take away from this is mindset is super important. And as I talked in two two episodes ago, the 5 a.m. club, there's more to it. There's the soul set, heart set, so on and so forth. Mindset's only 25% of one's thinking. There's a lot more to life. But the mindset is very important as well and what you believe in yourself and to get out of that imposter syndrome. So feeling powerless can lead to actual powerlessness and there are remedies for this so really what it comes down to and I could give you a bunch of stats and statistics but I'm just going to give you the truth and all this that I'm bringing to the table is 100% credible because it's been done by Harvard and Stanford University these studies that break down everything that's been the outcome of these studies and what it really comes down to is you are what you believe you you are and if you feel like you're powerless you feel like you're gonna do terrible on the presentation you feel like you're gonna do terrible on the exam you're gonna do terrible on it when it comes down to it for the most part i'm sure there's outliers of course but again mindset if you feel that way most likely it's going to turn out that way if you think positive it's most likely in majority of the cases, it's going to turn out positive. If you think negative, in majority of the circumstances, it's going to turn out negative. So, the approach system is something that I'm going to be bringing up to you. is basically made up of a network of regions in the brain that promotes curiosity, being adventurous, and trying new things. So, Naturally, the approach system plays a huge role in whether someone is socially outgoing and willing to seek out social or professional opportunities. And on the other hand, there's another system called inhibition system, which promotes cautiousness behavior. So however, when this system becomes too strong, it can cause you to see threats where other people may recognize opportunities. And few things trigger your inhibition system more than repeated feelings of powerlessness. So we need to get out of this cycle of inhibition behavior or systems because it's just a bad system to be in. We want to be in a good approach system so we are confident in the way we speak. We give out good indicators with body language. So how do we do this? So we need to refocus on positive events that re-engage and re-strengthen the approach system. Even if you are feeling disempowered right now, you can likely recall a time your actions did result in a feeling of empowerment. So what 
a study was done and it was that turned out to be really positive is that when you recall a moment of empowerment that is connected to your core values, maybe it was a moment when you stood up to a bully or bonded with a friend after choosing to be honest and open-hearted, whatever that moment may be by recalling it now, you can engage with your sense of empowerment, which will improve your psych psychological state by strengthening your approach system. So power and movement are connected, super closely connected. So there was a study done by Harvard and the results showed that people recognize expansive movements such as broad arm movements and big bouncy full bodied steps as powerful. On the other hand, smaller and more restricted or contracted movements are quickly recognized as a representation of powerlessness. So basically what that means in a nutshell is confidence is displayed when you are bigger, like your shoulders are back, you stand up straight. Whenever you make yourself bigger, that is a displaying of confidence. Whenever you're like hunched over, basically any movement that is making you a smaller person, like grabbing the back of your neck and then like bringing your head down and curling up at a ball, like any small, like movements that are made to make you feel smaller are basically body language to tell everyone else that you are less powerful in a way. And it's not asserting dominance by any means. This can be in a presentation. This can be in whatever you can think of when you you want to display confidence because once you're confident that you can get other people to be confident about what you're doing whatever you're selling whatever it may be so having your shoulders back feeling confident in your talking not talking in a little tone voice like come on shoulders back you're going to be talking like you mean it and you're going to be moving around, which really proves that you're getting comfortable if it's a presentation or you're selling something to someone, whatever it may be. You want to display, you don't want to have your arms out like, yeah, whatever it may be. What you want to do is have your shoulders back, like I've been saying, and puff your chest out, you know, not overly puff your chest out because that's just obvious and just weird. But, you know, you kind of want to have your chest out a little bit because it displays confidence. And that's what I've done in my pitches. And I don't say this being like, I've never done this before because when I give my pitches, I gave my pitches to 25 CEOs and that was scary. But right when I got there, I got into the mindset and I was like, I know I'm going to do good. I believed in myself. I got out of imposter syndrome didn't even really have it in the beginning, but I was nervous before. And then when I entered the room, I'm like, wow, these are some really, these are really CEOs and there's 25 of them. So I got nervous, but then I, I remembered and I got myself in a good positive mindset, put my shoulders back and I didn't puff my chest out, but I had my chest out a little bit and I was displaying confidence with my hand gestures, not overhand, like doing a bunch of hand gestures, but I was confidently talking and had a solid tone of voice and was able to move around a little bit and staying in one spot, you get kind of nervous. So you want to kind of move around the room and you display more confidence doing so. Now you're not running laps around giving a presentation, obviously, but so any gestures or postures that a person appeals appears smaller 
are read by others as being powerful, powerfullessness. And that's what we just talked about. And so this includes like contracted posture is what I was talking about. That's just another word for it with your head being down, your shoulders being slumped forward. But it also includes more subtile muscles contraction. So like a tightened facial expression can be showed as powerlessness. So the study also showed that when people draw their heads back and their neck back while their hands are on it, that is actually shown and it was learned from us in survival way back was to cover our arteries when we feel endangered. And it's actually a defense move that our humans recognize don't necessarily know what it means, but that's what it means. Whenever someone has their hands on their neck, head is tilted back, and they're covering their neck, they're covering their arteries, which is a defense system. They're stressed, anxious, whatever it may be. So you don't want to do that in any situations. But like when I'm at my desk and I'm like stressed out a little bit, I'll do it. But I never try to do it outside of my office. So our nervous system has two main modes of operation, and it is easy to activate the relaxation mode. So when we're stressed, like a buddy putting a or a gal putting her hand on you and saying, just relax before the presentation. So we aren't, and we're like, our muscles are contracting, where our shoulders are slumped, we're nervous, and our body is showing it. So as it turns out, though, knowing how to relax can indeed be easier to do once you're better at understanding how the nervous system works. So there are, we obviously as humans have a nervous system and has two primary modes of operation. There's the sympathetic nervous system, which is the SNS, and there's the parasympathetic nervous system, which is PNS. So the SNS is activated in any situation that requires us to be alert, whereas the PNS is engaged whenever we feel safe and relaxed. Since it is responsible for slowing the heart rate down and encouraging more slow and deep breathing, Therefore, whenever you want to diffuse a stressful situation, you want to engage with the PNS as it encourages our muscle relaxation and to feel more and more powerful with our posture. So the trick with activating the PNS lies in the system's main conduit, and that's the, the, what's called the vagus nerve, which runs from the brain to the heart and lungs. So the vagus nerve, whenever something feels safe, the brain will send a message down to lower the heart rate and the breathing rate. So however, this can also work the other way around. So if you consciously tell yourself to take it slow, deep breaths, and relax your muscles, a signal will travel up to your brain and you'll begin to feel more confident and in control. So you can try a simple breathing exercise right now. You can take a slow, deep breath in, pause, and then take a long, slow breath out. So that's the... I always do that when I'm meditating to get my mind off a bunch of other things. I breathe in. You can do three or five seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Pause. One, two, three, four, five. Then breathe out. One, two, three, four, five. And then you could pause again, one, two, three, four, five, and then repeat that cycle. And that really does help. And that's what I did when I was doing a pitch in front of 25 CEOs. I was very nervous. 
And I was able to sit down on my butt real quick. And I was just controlling my breathing literally minutes before I was going in and everyone else was practicing their pitch and stuff. And I was like, I'm going up first. So I probably just need to focus on my breathing. I've done as much as I can for studying my pitch. And then Crystal Geyer, my teacher came over and was like, Hunter, it's your turn to go in. So I went in and another thing with controlling breathing is that there was a study that was done and this exercise reduced anxiety. So the breathing in and out that we just did was proven to reduce anxiety, alleviate depression and increase levels of optimism. So people reported feeling more in control of their emotions, or in other words, more powerful. Now moving on to the last point before we move on to the summary of this podcast episode is that the body language influences people in everyday life and improving your posture is empowering. And there's many, many different, I'm currently reading a book on body language to how to interpret what, how people are feeling and stuff and to know what I'm feeling whenever I'm doing these body motions because our body basically goes on autopilot and does it naturally itself and we don't realize it. So Basically, what it comes down to is practice, practice, practice. Maybe be in front of a mirror, whatever you got to be, or in front of people. That's the best thing to do for your pitch. Like before I was going to give my pitch, and I know I've been reciting that and using that example a lot, but I gave it in front of my fraternity at chapter, and it was in front of like, I don't know how many guys. It was a decent amount of people, and I felt more confident because I knew that wasn't where it really counted. It was where I was giving the pitch in front of 25 CEOs. So practicing is very huge and especially practicing your body language in doing so. And remember, once you feel, once you act bigger in your body language, you are proven to be more confident. Whereas if you're hunched over and acting smaller, you feel less powerfulness, powerfulness and affects the way you communicate and how people are set off by your tonality and body language and how you're speaking. And if you really do feel that way and show your enthusiasm and have good body language, the audience can tell naturally. And it goes the other way around. If you have bad body language and people can tell that you're nervous. So it's very important to recognize that. And there's many things on YouTube, many resources. I I can't, I'm, this is, audio, so I'm not able to show you body language, so to say, but there are many YouTube videos that are worth looking up and it is very much worth your time because you want to be confident anytime you give a speech, even if it's talking to someone in class, whatever it may be, you don't want to seem nervous. You want to just seem relaxed and confident and so on and so forth, which leads me on to the final summary. So our body and mind are strongly connected. Therefore, when our body language and posture becomes constricted, our feelings follow suit and we become powerful less and anxious and depressed. So fortunately, we can get ourselves back on track by adopting strong postures and powerful poses. By doing so, our state of mind will also become more confident. This is especially important when trying to communicate in a convincing manner as those who speak with confidence are guaranteed to win over the audience over than someone who is constricted in their body language and has a lack of confidence. So some actionable advice is to set a power pose reminder. So 
even at your desk when you're working, at the library, studying, it could be if you're in college or if you have a job uh, at a desk, it's just, or there's firefighters, whatever it may be, there's many vastly different jobs that this situation can be tailored into is setting a reminder every hour or a couple hours and basically to remind yourself to have good posture so being your thing rings you look at it and you're like oh i need to have good posture have my shoulders back and it's good for your back it's proven that like hunching over and typing all day on a desk like um, i know accountants are known to have health problems with their backs or Uh, fingers and stuff like that and it's practicing good posture for you to be more healthy so not only is there a confidence perspective but also a health perspective and having good posture so I am glad that I did this episode because I learned a lot I know it's a little bit of a longer episode contrary to the last episode but I think it's very important and if you want to be in that top five percent like I was talking about in last episode you need to improve a lot of different things and I think posture is very important especially when interviewing, having a job, or giving a presentation at work, or in school, or taking an exam. Just having that mindset is going to be very important. I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast episode. With that being said, I'll be cueing the outro. This has been the Relentless College Entrepreneur Podcast. Catch you guys next time.